0: In 2011, hackers breached computers containing data on RSA's Secure ID Two-Factor Authentication product, which prompted the security provider to hire its first Chief Information Security Officer, Eddie Schwartz. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group, and in this, the second of my two-part conversation with Schwartz, the veteran IT security executive discusses how the advanced persistent threat attack affected RSA's approach to IT security. As we resumed our conversation, I asked if significant changes occurred in RSA's IT security organization.
1: I think some of the things that, that uh, you know, may be of interest to uh, some of your listeners would be, for example, ways that we've been thinking about how to make security more effective overall. Talking to my peers and thinking about how we do things. Some security officers, you know, including myself, used to have a view of the world that, well, if I can just get a grip on all of this myself you know for example issues that are security hygiene related such as patch management asset management vulnerability management you know some of these core things that you really need to do well and as you step back from that you say you know what are we as security people really the best people to be doing this anyway you know the reality is that if you look across IT IT people Are very good at so many things, and they're much better at it in a lot of cases than security people are. I mean, they're better at managing to SLAs, they're better at managing to, uh, you know, certainly quality standards in a lot of cases. And so to build partnerships, uh, I've built a, a fantastic partnership with RSA's CIO, where the CIO and other people within the IT organization help to drive for results and drive for excellence around. Some of the metrics that are critical to doing a good job with security, for example, where we shifted the approach a little bit uh, away from thinking about something as, as purely a security problem and thinking about it as, as sort of a shared space that we all have, where we all share in the goals, we all share in the success or failure, and frankly, uh, we're all rewarded for a good outcomes if we do a good job, and, and, and that's important. You, you know, the, the expression that uh, people do what they get paid to do, right? So, you know, we all have to be incentivized to have the right activity. And I think, uh, you know, the tone from the top has been very good here on that and it pervaded itself throughout the organization.
0: Any reluctance from anyone in the organization to accept more responsibility for IT security if that's not their core job?
1: No, like any place where you work, I think people always will look at the net of their job and say, well, gee, did I plan for this? How do I figure all of this out? But I think... In today's world, and this is not just true at RSA, I mean, it's certainly true anywhere that you look around, people are saying, you know, how do I accomplish all of the things I'm asked to do today? Because certainly, uh, while everyone realizes that there needs to be a greater focus on security. There needs to be, you know, a high emphasis on this. You still have to work within the constraints of resources and and planning and budget on. Our challenge as security professionals is to continue to figure out ways do these things so that they also align well with the objectives of the business, right? I think in the past, security people somewhat had the luxury of just saying, well, you know, let's slap a, a cost tax on something or let's slap uh, an expense line on something. And, and you know, because it's security related, we'll, we'll get the money. But I think many of us are also thinking in terms of, well, how can we build good hygiene, good security practices? into things that IT is already doing, into things that application developers are doing on the business side. So it, it, it really is driving security away from a compliance mentality, away from a technology mentality, towards a business-focused mentality where business, the business feels that, well, this is really a cost of doing business. I need to find a way to embed it in that cost. Hopefully, in the end, if it's done right, it'll be close to a zero-sum game for them.
0: It sounds... Is if you can't really segment or silo organizations, whether it's IT security, IT, or even the business units, you know, they all have responsibilities when it comes to security.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the mistake—it's not really a mistake. I mean, it's, it's it's more like an evolution, I guess, is really the right term. I mean, in the past, tried to create, and, and and I don't mean we as RSA. I mean, security professionals have tried to create you know these monolithic security organizations and do everything ourselves. You know, so. So then when some new information technology comes up, we go, oh, my gosh, do we have anybody who knows anything about technology X, Y, and Z? Well, of course we don't. But the reality is that the people who truly understand this are the folks in either IT or in the business that own this very technology that that is being proposed. So why would we pull that out of the business and give it the security to deal with as opposed to creating? Good security champions, good security processes—a doctrine around how to build secure environments. Whether you know it's at the application layer or at the infrastructure layer, and through that process of threat modeling and you know, and, and building a, a software development lifecycle that that you know that, that builds security into these environments, they get the right outcome. And then you know, what we do is, is we help measure that outcome. We monitor, we measure that outcome, and we make sure that it's done in, in, in a repeatable and, and, and um, you know mature fashion. So I, I think you know security has evolved that way. And, and the business in this way also owns their own resource. They're not paying attack. They're not throwing money down a rat hole and saying, why did I give you all this money? And what, what am I getting for it?
0: When you became a chief information security officer, there wasn't a big bureaucracy built around you. You, you basically came in there, looked at what was there, and sort of try to organize IT security at RSA using uh, existing organizations?
1: Certainly, as part of the division of EMC, EMC had a fantastic global security organization that's run by Dave Martin. And Dave already had put together, uh, you know, had been running for a while this organization with certain constructs around it. You know, I have a dual reporting relationship. Part of my re- reporting is to Dave. One of the things I didn't want to do is reinvent the wheel completely in terms of RSA as a division, you know, I wanted to take the best things that Dave's organization had to offer in terms of services that that were pertinent to what I was doing at RSA. But then there's a uniqueness to our division as a security division. There were things that we needed to do that sort of fell outside of that. We also at EMC, uh, because we you know we build software and hardware and you know we manufacture things. Uh, you know, we also have a product security office that's run by a, a fellow named Eric Bayes, and it's a very, very mature operation. you know, between these two operations, and then what I do, those are sort of three legs of a, of a stool, where essentially, we use each other's processes, we build upon each other's processes, and where one of us is, let's say, ahead of the game, we'll test something out. And if, if the other two can benefit from what one of the others is doing, so be it. And it's been a great relationship that way, because it's allowed us to move uh, quickly on some initiative that you know might have been burnered for one or the other of us
0: so there's been a lot more general uh, media attention on uh, vulnerabilities and attacks on organizations do you think some of that is misdirected that they're focusing uh, too much on one type of uh, activity where there are more serious things going on and if so what, what is getting too much attention
1: uh well there's certainly hype cycles that that happen right um If you look at sort of the last couple of years, uh, and certainly since, you know, our breach, right, there's been uh, a hype cycle around APT. If you've been to security conferences over the last year and a half, two years, it seems like you go up to every vendor booth, and you'll either see, you know, APT or cloud security hanging on the booth. And if a vendor is really good, they'll do APT detection in the cloud. What will happen is a lot of people's fears and and a lot of public discussion of issues, whether informed or not, tend to drive the agenda a little bit. A lot of that, unfortunately, is is not 100% accurate. Having said that, I I do think that there is is room for discussion around certain types of topics. For example, room for discussion around uh, what I call the idea of what is the right tooling relative to the space and tooling could be technology-related, it could be people-related, it could be process-related. If you believe the idea that you're going to be breached at some point, a breach is a seminal event that may or may not have implications for it. In other words, you could have a breach, but the breach may not result in any damage if you're put on the other side of the breach. Prior to a breach, you know, we we always talked about the notion of preventative technologies, preventative processes, and people that are involved with everything associated with prevention. And, and that would even include all of the stuff associated with good security hygiene and governance and things of that sort. There's a, an investment you're going to make, and there's a confidence level you're going to have around pre-breach tooling. Most security investments fall into that space today. And, and I'm not saying that's a bad the question, though, is, is what should that investment level be and what should everybody be doing around that? and what should the focus be in today's world of advanced threats, where that is our focus think in a lot of cases, advanced threats and adversaries relative to material assets versus the doable approach, which is, hey, let's secure everything. Uh, but then the other side to it is, okay, assuming that we're going to be breached at some point, and we don't want the breach to be material, right? We don't want the breach to have a bad result to it. What the post-breach tooling look like? In other words, What kinds of people should we have working for us? What should they be doing in that context? What technologies are effective in that post-breach context? And what processes might I need to change? For example, do I need people doing threat intelligence? Do I need people doing malware analysis? And if I can't find those people or can't afford them, is there a service provider or is there some other way I can get access to to those capabilities? These are all things to think about it, and then to step back from what you're doing and say, Well, maybe I'm doing things the way, you know, I, I thought it was valuable in two thousand and two because, you know, by the way, I mean, even though I've talked to CISOs for, for you know, for a long time, I mean the last time I was a CISO was, you know, around that time. So I've done all kinds of work in security since then. But if I came into this job thinking the way I thought then, I'd be worthless. If your playbook as a CISO has not changed in the last seven years, just for the sake of argument, you're in deep trouble. So I, I think it's really important for organizations to step back some things like some of the hype and some of the you know things like all oh, APTs or, or whatever the focus is you know, from the vendor community and say, well, yeah, okay, but what does security management really mean to me now? What, what does the business care about? Is it about the material assets above all else? Who's coming at those material assets? And what is my preparation level? Is my security program uh, tooled properly to handle that? That's a fair question for any of us right
0: now. I want to make sure I understand uh, the point that you're making. People are going to be breached. Therefore, I got to look at my investments as what I need to do once that occurs.
1: So what I'm saying, just just for the sake of argument, is this: suppose you looked across all your investments and you said, um, I have... $4 four million dollars to spend on security today relative to technology. And and then you looked across your costs and you said, okay, I've got technology refresh to do, I've got O and M operations and maintenance costs, you know, to deal with relative to certain technologies, and you realize that, you know, the lion's share of these costs, you know, eighty, ninety percent, were going towards technologies that had a low confidence level relative to either pre breach uh, approaches uh, or had no value relative to post-breach, that would mean that there's an imbalance that needs to address because you need, for, first of all, to raise the confidence level relative to pre-breach, which would mean looking at it, you know, next generation pre-breach technologies, uh, you know, and again, you know, some of those, you know, old school firewalls and AV, you know, wouldn't fit into those categories. So you need to drive the cost out of that stuff. And then, uh, again, post breach technologies. Where are you on that? I mean, there, there's a whole sort of framework that many leading organizations, uh, you know, have put in place today that need, you know, need close examination by just about everybody. Uh, you know where are you on that? And then, of course, it's not just technology, right? I mean, you can have all the technology in the world, and you're not going to get anywhere. So, the the issue is then stepping back and saying, well, okay, you know, I got a you got a data center full of technology, but you're disorganized, and you don't have people that understand any of this, or service providers that can provide you the right services, or, or um, you know, again, you're living on an island. You're just looking at your own data versus collaborating with others, or or having providers that bring in uh, data that enriches your organization's data in some way. So uh, these are all questions that, that people need to ask themselves. Where am I? on And it, 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 some of it, it goes against traditional approaches. You know, if, you, if you're just trying to match up your security program to ISO 27001 and that's your sole objective uh, or follow some uh, methodology that's 10 years old, it's not going to get you where you need to go necessarily relative to facing up to advanced uh, adversaries. Now, I'm not saying that you drop ISO 27001 or you drop your firewall, but but what I am saying is that ISO 27001 is great for helping you establish a benchmark for pre breach tooling, but it shouldn't be the sole factor in determining what to spend your time and money on in your security program. Thanks, Eddie. Well, it's my pleasure to talk to you always.
0: I've been speaking with RSA Vice President and Chief Information Security Officer Eddie Schwartz for Information Security Media Group. I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.